0: welcome to bear creek ag's online service podcast we're so glad that you tuned in with us today we upload a new service every sunday morning at 10 30 a.m so we look forward to having you tune in with us again here's today's message seated thank you worship team I'll be honest, I could have kept on worshiping. There's just a sweet presence. But I feel very compelled today that what the Lord has laid on my heart needs to be preached, it needs to be heard today, but more importantly, it needs to be applied. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Some of these scriptures will be on the board, as will my bullet points. If you have the church app, did I mention the church app yet? If I haven't, there's a great church app that you can actually look at my bullet points and scriptures in that app, and you can actually add your own notes to it as the Holy Spirit leads you and ministers to you today. As you're turning in Acts chapter 2, two quick things that I failed to mention earlier. Um, First, it's Pastor JP's birthday. Everybody wish him happy birthday. Happy birthday, Pastor JP. I hope you enjoyed the gifts I gave you. You got more than one, uh, because you're just hard to buy for. What do you buy, MacGyver? I bought him coffee and a shirt. So there you go. That's what you buy, because he's always going to need that, "Mm," and uh, and when you mess up a shirt, you've got a shirt there. So anyways, but happy birthday, Pastor JP. Love you and proud of you. Proud to have you part of the team. Proud to have you as my friend and partner in crime. Secondly, um, by our by mandate of our Constitution and bylaws, I have to announce that our annual business meeting is February the 15th. That's a Wednesday night at 630. If you're a voting member, please come. Uh, be a part of what God's doing. We've got to conduct business. This is something we have to do annually. If you're not a voting member, but Bear Creek Assembly of God is your home, please come out. I want you to see how a business meeting should function and operate. I promise you, there's no mudslinging. We don't slow, throw chairs, uh, any of that kind of stuff. We celebrate what God has done in our fellowship, and we look forward to what God's going to do in the year to come. We do have some uh, deacons, some elections, and we also have some business we want to present to you with the pavilion out back. So there you go. You want to be a part of it? Come on! I encourage you to um, be here on February the fifteenth at six thirty. Amen. Well kind of preach my introduction a little bit as the spirit was moving earlier but um you know we're, we're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 2 now some of you that come regularly say "What well, do you mean pick back up because I haven't preached from Acts chapter 2 since November in November I was preaching it we got almost to the end of Acts chapter 2 knowing going into the Thanksgiving season our celebration of praise service and then preaching a Christmas theme and then going into the the favor of God. How many of y'all have been blessed this past week with the favor of God? Come on, I'm going to do a test. How many of you were able to share that favor with those around you? I want to see. Just a test. Don't lie. I just want to see. It's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Last week, I just that was just a powerful message in my own life. Um, but we're going to pick back up. I don't know how long. I, my my plans are to preach through the book of Acts this year, but we will take breaks from it because of the fact that we have seasonal things that I like to preach on, like Easter and things like that. So, But we're going to pick back up where I left off. What's interesting is this message, or this section, I didn't have the message, I just... God gave it to me this week but this portion of scripture in Acts chapter 2 was supposed to be the scripture I preached a couple of weeks ago when my father-in-law had surgery and I had had to miss and and Terry Seegers filled in for me uh so it's interesting and I say that to say this okay I want everybody to get comfortable don't get sleepy all right Patricia elbow Keith every once in a while I know he works hard a man's the hardest working man to keep him keep him awake I, I see people fanning all right we got fans on so just hang tight hang tight but um I believe that, at least I know when I approach, I've, I've only been pastoring 13 years as your senior pastor, but I know when I approach a, a message, it's, it's not necessarily with the intent of me knowing who's going to be here. I mean, I get an idea most people are going to be here. okay? But the idea is that God ministers through me, prepares a message, and then he orders the steps of those who need to hear it. Okay, So I'm not apologizing for this message. Uh, I'm not angry in this message. It's not my message. It's God's message. And I'm just preaching what the Word says today. But I think it's interesting that it falls on this week as we come out of a time of fasting and praying and, 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 and focusing on God's favor on our lives and, and where we go for 2023. Um, in case you don't know the Scripture, uh, Acts chapter 2, the beginning uh, the disciples, 120 of Christ's followers, are in the upper room in Jerusalem. It's the season of Pentecost. I'm not going to go in and give you definition of Pentecost. It just simply means 50 as part of the festivals of the Old Testament covenant celebrations. But they're there. Christ said, Jesus said, go and wait. So they're up there praying. Ten days of praying, interacting, seeking God. The Holy Spirit comes. They're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in these languages they don't know. And a large crowd is drawn to them. And, and Peter gets up and, just, and then preaches the gospel. Just simply preaches. I pre- go back and look at the messages online. Preach to them. Just cut them to the quick. And they end up saying, what shall we do about this? He says, be saved and be baptized. That, that's what you do when you're brought into conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and especially if you're not saved. Uh, 3,000 people were saved that day. And I want you to grasp that. I mean, that's a revival in itself. When's the last time in one message... I mean, we can't even get 3,000 people in here. And we probably got 140 in here today. I don't know what our number is. I know we can see 150, so we're close to that today. You know, But you're, most of y'all, if not all of you, are saved. So, I mean, we're talking about 3,000 people are saved. And the idea of this is that day was very powerful... And as you continue to look through the book of Acts, which takes approximately 26 years before the last chapter of Acts is, is completed, it's the history of the church. It's more than the history, but it definitely gives us the history of the planting of the churches through Peter, mostly through Paul, really, reaching of the Gentiles. But through this, you're going to see, as we do this, you're going to see the power of God at work. That's what I want you to focus on. You're going to see the power of God at work where people are saved when the gospel is preached. People are baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in languages they do not know. You're going to see, in that fact, we pick up next week, I think if it is, if I remember my scripture, yes. Peter heals, and actually the Holy Spirit heals a lame man through Peter and John at the gate beautiful. We're going to, we're going to start seeing these manifestations of God in powerful ways. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves today. Because either, first of all, we have to, we have to decide, do we believe in miracles today? Do we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do we believe in speaking in languages we do not know? Do we believe in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We, as a Pentecostal, we either we either have to believe it and operate in I refuse to believe it in practice. One of our former superintendents of the Assemblies of God, he, he, his his whole concern was that we have become a movement. We're not a denomination. We're a fellowship. It's distinctive. We we are cooperative fellowship. We are. Bear Creek Assembly of God is a sovereign church who voluntarily cooperates with the other churches in Bay County as well with the West Florida districts as well with the other districts throughout the nation. We are unique in that aspect of things. But his concern was is that as we are this independent of each, each, each other that what's happening is is that the power or the belief or the doctrine or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being watered down and we are becoming uh, a, a, a movement or a denomination is what he says that... Is only in, we don't practice it it's only in theory so we have to ask ourselves do we believe that God wants to heal people today do we believe that God wants to save people today do we believe we want to see these things happen so that people can be ministered to as the Lord leads do we, we have to decide that first and foremost because if not then we need to shut the book at least this particular book the book of Acts and just say hey as many denominations have it's just a history book there's nothing there of value other than history Because what I see here in this is that God moved, He poured out His Spirit as it was prophesied, as He said He would, as Jesus said that His Father would do. And from here, we're going to see great moves of God. And with it, we have to ask the question, first, how did this move of God begin? I'm not going to go back and preach the first part of Acts chapter 2. You can see it. They prayed. They waited. Holy Spirit came. And out of faith and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they went out and they testified of what God had done. But not only how did that happen, but how did they maintain this move of God? It's gonna. The book of Acts, like I said, is about twenty-seven years long in in, in, the, in the timeline of the book from the events. How did they How did they do this? What did the church do? And I believe today that we're going to find within these verses that we're going to read the, the remainder of chapter two, starting in verse forty-two. We're going to see a a, a pattern. We're going to see a a formula. We're going to see a recipe that God has given the church for the purpose of maintaining a move of God when God moves he's a sovereign God we cannot make him move we cannot make revival break out all we can do is prepare ourselves for it do what the word tells us to do and as we do God's going to send the revival to you which is going to spread but then how do we maintain it because that's always been the challenge of the church for centuries how do we maintain a move of God now, I've heard people say that God is sovereign, which He is, and He'll do what He wants to do. But how many of you know that God, what God always wants done is not always done, is it? There's a part that we play. Peter, or Paul tells us over in Philippians, that he, he tells us that God is at work within us. To what? To fulfill His good purpose. If God is at work in us, then you and I must be active participants in what God wants to do in us and through us. And I believe in verse, these six verses we're going to have those answers today now as we look at it I'm going to begin preaching that's my introduction like I said I just went all over the place because of how the spirit was moving earlier but now we're going to look at this and as we do the major thing that jumps out to me about how these early believers lived their lives which I think is, is, is the key to the move of God and maintaining the move of God is how they lived a passionate life of and I use the word worship how they lived a passionate life of worship now we often think of worship as what we have done this morning and it was passionate regardless of how you worship whether you stood up or sat down whether you raised your hand or, or didn't raise your hand or whether like jenny jenny by the way in the name of jesus your neck is healed she came up needed prayer she's healed and i believe that i believe in miracles and i believe not because of the power well it is the power of me but it's the holy spirit that's within me same spirit that raised jesus is in me and as i prayed in faith and in order you as you in obedience call for the elder of the church to pray for you you're you are healed and what a passionate time of worship! Regardless of how you worship, the Holy Spirit came down; heaven came down, and, and it's it important. It's definitely this. What we did is definitely part of worship. Supernatural things took place They always do in our midst when we worship. We sing, we sing and heaven comes down and joins us in worshiping the Lord. This place of worship is it, moved and it's just filled with just the glory of God. And there's battles that are won through the worship And here on Sunday mornings. It's definitely an important part of our life. But worship just isn't what we do here on Sunday mornings together. Matter of fact, it's just a small part of what we do as we worship God if we're truly worshipers of God. Paul tells us that we are to present what? Our bodies as what? A living... We are to live our lives as a living sacrifice. What? Holy... We can be holy because he is holy. It's because he's holy that we can do that and pleasing. How many of y'all want your spouse to be pleasing to you? How many of you want your kids to be pleasing to you? How many of you want your employer or employees to be pleased? We want people, God wants us to be pleasing to him in how we live our lives. He says, this is your true or real or your honest and proper worship to the Lord. It's how you live your life every day. It's in how you and what you do and what you don't do. I know you say, well, you sound like an old-time preacher here. Well, I'm getting old and and I'm running out of time, so let me be an old-time preacher here. It is, listen to me, younger generation. It is how you live your life every day, regardless of how your parents lived their life before you. Just because your parents did something that goes against the Word of God is not your right to follow in their footsteps. Don't. Because it's how you live your life. It's what you think. It's what you say. It's where you go. It's what you do. It's That is worship. When we make that sacrifice of what I want to do in my will, and I submit it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because I have been bought with the price of the blood of Christ, and because of that, now I'm underneath His Lordship. I let Him rule me. He, and I know we don't like this, He is my master and that because of that how I honor him is how I worship him or how I worship him is how I honor him he is worthy he is he is worth it to me to give up uh, everything worship comes from two words worth and ship worth and ship that is worship is showing displaying the worth of God worship is how we live our lives every day that shows God is worth it to us it is worth it to me to give up my rights because of what He's done for me. You have to answer the question. I know I haven't got to the Scripture, but hang on, we're getting there. It begins with this. It begins with revival in yourself and how you show God forget about the world how you show God that he is worthy he is worthy he is worth something to you the price that he paid and sending his son to die on that cross that precious blood that, that he shed on Calvary what is that worth to you if you say it's worth everything to you then that means you're living your life for him in every way I know I'm not gonna get a lot of amens because this cuts me to the quick I don't think God's up in heaven angry with us. I think God's in heaven saying, come on. Come on. Man, I've got, I have so much I want to do in you. And I have so much I want to do through you. And I want your life to be that light that cannot be hidden. Come on. I want you, I, These are the things I want. I want to empower you. I've got gifts I want to give you. Come on. I want to fill you and baptize you with my Holy Spirit Is going to give you power. And you're going to be laying hands on people and they're going to be healed. I'm going to use you to help, help release. The, remember, Jesus said, he fulfilled Isaiah 43. He said, I've come, this is fulfilled today. Now that is our responsibility, and how we live our life is going to show what God is worth to us. Any single person understands this, or any married person, I should say, understands this. I gave up everything, my singleness, my independence, all my possessions, to marry my wife 36 years ago. Come on, I gave it all up. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that's a sacrifice, but come on, there's a lot of ladies out there that would love to have this. I, re- I know what y'all are thinking. So I gave up all that to be married to this wonderful, beautiful woman of mine, this bride, this wife that my Lord and Savior gifted me. What a great gift. So everything I have is hers. And everything she has is hers. And I have nothing. Come on every parent understands this I don't know why we have more than one child because when before you have any children you think it's worth giving up your life to have a child your finances your time your house come on what you eat I mean it all revolves around the baby right we give it all up because we think this child is going to be worth it you better pray it works out that way (laughs) I don't know what we were thinking but we had two and I wanted a third one and she said no and I thank God she said no Come on. True and proper worship of God is a lifestyle that speaks of how worthy he is. To be devoted, passionate about God and the things of God more than anything else. And this is how these people were living. All right. So let's look at verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. I know you say, well, pastor, you've, you've already preached a message. I know. God has some more for you this morning. So just fashion that seatbelt. I'm going to try to be. No, I'm not even gonna go there. I don't have that great of faith. I'm just going to get the word and let God do what needs to do. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. This implies all the believers devoted themselves. It wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just John. It wasn't just the other apostles or church leaders. This says that they were all devoted to each other. A move of God depended on everyone who was a part of the body jumping in and participating, being a part. I want I'm going, this is a pregnant pause every believer every believer being a part of what God was doing see the first thing you notice about passionate worship is that it starts with people who are devoted to God and to each other it's people who who prioritize doing life together and that means that they are they're they're devoted right coming together wasn't something they did if they just felt like it now listen if you're justifying in your mind right now, well, pastor, church back then wasn't like it is now, you've got to ask yourself why you're justifying that. No, they didn't have a building like this. They probably wish they had a building like this. Instead, they had home churches, and that hopefully whoever had the largest home was the one who held the church, housed the church. See, but it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't deflect the idea that they didn't look for reasons not to come together. They gathered together. It wasn't something they, they only did when it wasn't raining outside. I'm, I am presently surprised and pleased and thanking the Lord. Like I said, he orders our steps. And I'm not casting stones. I'm not angry up here this morning. I'm just, but I thought, man, Lord, why does it have to be so pretty today? But look, he filled the house. He filled the house. See, community wasn't something they did only if they felt like it. Gathering together was their top priority, not just another priority. They were passionate about coming together, and they gave themselves to it. They loved one another. They loved one another. See, they were doing life together. Parents, and I'm so glad we have a lot of parents in the house today. I'm not here to beat you up, but I'm going I'm I'm to talk to my parents for just a moment. The best thing that you could do for your children is to teach them to love the church. The best thing you can do is teach your children to love the church. One of the worst things you could do is criticize the church. Now look, if there's something that needs to be corrected, we want to correct it. But if all you're going to do is be critical of the church, guess what your children are going to do? They're going to be critical of the church. And let me tell you something. There's plenty to be critical about here. Your pastor is not as good-looking as I am. I'm not perfect. But no church is perfect because it's got it has people in it. And we know that. And that doesn't mean we make that an excuse to be imperfect. We should strive to be perfect. We should strive to be holy. But as we do that, as we work out our fear and trembling, our salvation every day with fear and trembling, that's just part of it. But you don't want to be critical of the church. Teach them the way they should go, the Bible tells us. Teach them while they're young. Model it for them. Loving the church isn't just in words. That means you're here. That means you're participating. That doesn't mean you're dropping them off. No, no, no. It means you're here. You're a part of this. You want to be because why? You love the Lord and we are the Lord. I don't know how your theology works out, but he's the head, we are the body. The New Testament speaks constantly how the gatherers, that's really what church means, being the gathering. When we rename the church, I want to name it the gathering. I just like the gathering. The gathering at Bear Creek, the gathering out at the Grand, the gathering in Chipley, the gathering wherever it is, may God may plant churches through this church. We are the gathering and we love each other because we are the body of Christ and we love each other in spite of our faults. It is unity. It's it's that desire. So you can't create in them what is not in you. What's in you, you hand out, you hand over to your children. Yes, amen. Come on, preach, help me preach. Amen. I joke about it, it's true. Growing up, I had a drug problem. Literally, every time the doors of church opened, I was drugged to church. It's funny, but it's true. I can't tell you I loved it like that, but my, I fell in love with the church because my dad and my mom were passionate about the church. We didn't want to miss it. Now listen, I'm not beating you up, so I'm not here being legalistic. I'm just showing you how a, a true move of God, a true revival breaks out, how we maintain it because God wants to pour out His Spirit on us. The, the last days we're living in them, but they had, the last day hasn't happened because we're still here. And God has great and mighty things He wants to do in you and through you and through this church to minister to this community, to get your family saved, get your friends saved. Man, if everybody got saved and filled the Spirit, you would love to go to work even, wouldn't you? You can change that atmosphere. You can't just drop your kids off and tell them you're passionate about the church. You can't tell them you love the church and not attend the church. I can tell you right now, and I know you say, well, pastor's different. You're in ministry. And let me tell you something. You're all in ministry. And if you're truly passionate about the church, then your kids are not going to regret you dragging them to church. My boys have never regretted dra- My son is 21, almost 22, and very available, young ladies, if there's any single ladies in the house. <laughs> I got to get him out of the house somehow. Got to get him out. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I don't make him come to church. He wants to come. He serves. I don't make him serve. My oldest son, same way, Alex, and then Mallory, for that matter. It's it's the the fact of it is they don't have regrets me bringing them to church because this was their their social life. They still had friends at school. They still had missionaries. I mean, they were missionaries. Had mission field, but they were they loved coming to church and using their gifts. Alex is very musical. We're out, Trevor's not. But what does Trevor do? He works with the kids. or He works on the camera. He, and I'm not, I, I guess I'm bragging. I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging. I'm just saying they turned out okay. And I can tell you this, just because you bring them to church doesn't mean they're going to turn out okay. I understand that. But I, you, they got a greater chance of turning out okay. Going back to that Proverbs, you train up a child in the way you go. When they grow old, they show, that's not necessarily a promise, but it definitely helps when they grow old if you raise them in church. They're, if they do leave the Lord, they're going to return. And for you parents that have prodigals out there, you keep praying, you keep believing because you trained them, you raised them in the Word, and they're going to return to the Lord. Stand on the Word of God. Okay. Teach them, parents. Grandparents, teach them. If your kids are going to be deadbeats, go pick your, kid, your grandkids up and bring them to church. Reality is, if they're not serving God, you are the spiritual leaders of your family still. Go bring them. Drag them. Keep those nasty brats all weekend long if you have to, just to get them. <laughs> and the only reason why I call them, because I don't know them, but I wish I had grandkids. I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Let me keep going. I, need, I do need to pick up. I'm sorry. Another thing that verse 42 points out is that passionate worship makes solid teaching a priority. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were, they, they were there. They were committed and interested in formation and application of divine truth. They wanted. They didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. They didn't have the Gospels. The Gospels were being written during this time. What they had was the Old Testament. If they had a copy of it, but they had the apostles' teaching. So God ordained the church to be birthed in Jerusalem where the apostles were stationed, where they were living, where they decided that this is where we belong. And they were going to these house churches and they were teaching them what they had seen the Lord say and do. They were teaching. And these people were committed. Why? Why were they committed? It Because you cannot grow beyond what you know. Now, I'm all, hey, I'm Pentecostal, I'm all about the experience. Woo, let's shout. I'm not going to run because I'll fall on my face, all right? I'm all about the shout. I'm all about the experience. But if the experience isn't based on the truth of the Word of God, that experience can take you outside the will of God and the truth of God's Word. We have to be careful with our experience. It has to line up with the Word of God, see? There's a lot of discussion. I read and and listen to a lot of podcasts or just messages or or, or church leaders of different denominations, and there's a lot of discussion among leaders today that the state, that the people, uh, that you all in, they're talking about you, the sheep, that you have short attention spans, and that you cannot handle content, and that you need to be entertained, and as much as I try to be funny, the reality is I'm not very entertaining. And I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to give you the truth of the word of God. I believe I can speak for my sheep. I think you guys have longer attention spans than what they believe you have. If God is speaking and moving, and I know, well, my mind can only take what my backside can handle. I I get it, but again, I'm going to be critical. You go and watch a three-hour movie. and. Okay, it's what you want to do. I believe you can handle it, and I believe you can handle content. I believe you can handle depth. I believe you want that. I believe today, I don't go along with that. I think the trend today is people are hungry for the Word of God. You're passionate about knowing God's plan, what God's Word is for you, what He wants to do. You need the Word. It's the Word that transforms you. It's the Word that changes you. It's the Word that how you grow in God is through the Word of God. It's, it's what encourages you when you're discouraged. It, it confronts you when you're wrong. It's the Word. It's the power of the Word that builds you up when you're down. It shapes our thinking, or it should shape our thinking. Everything that we view in this world should be viewed through the biblical lens of the Word of God and not through the world. Everything that's happening needs to be. We don't have to live in fear when there's wars and rumors of wars. Because why? We look at it through here, and what does it say? We're going to have those, but one day Jesus is going to come back and get us. It says about sin, how sin destroys, how we should handle things. This is the this is what God has given us, and it's life-transforming if you will just get into it. It gives us what we need for life and godliness. It's not only shrinks your, shrinks your faith, but it gives you the ability to live in faith. You know what? When you read the Word of God, it gives you the ability to hear God's voice. I'm going to read it in King James V. be up here. It's Romans 10, 17. says, so then faith cometh by and hearing by. Now, that does mean that when you read this, your faith grows. But you know what? The deeper, you want some content. What that means is as you read the Word of God. Hear me now. As you read the Word of God. Not only does it build your faith, but it gives you the ability to hear God's voice. Yeah. Not only with what he said here. I've heard it all the time with pastor. I read that verse and the Holy Spirit led me. or I thought it meant this, but the other day, not that it's contrary or contradicts what, it was, what I already believed it said. But now all of a sudden, I got this depth, or I got this understanding from it. Why? Because as you read it, God can you your your ears are tuned to what God's saying I'm not going to say he's going to add to this I'm not saying but for your own uh, divine interaction with God it gives you the ability to hear what he's saying to you in a situation in your life or whatever may be going on in your life it is reading it does build your faith when you hear this no doubt your, your faith is being built right now by hearing me preach this, this one verse right now for the last 15 minutes. And, and I know that's very conservative speaking there, time-wise. But it's also right now God is planting thoughts in your mind. He is speaking to you specifically. Why? Because you're hearing the Word of God and it's getting you in tune to what God wants you to hear from His Spirit, see. You need to be reading it. You need to be in it. You need to be devouring this Word. It needs to be the foundation that your life is built upon. Because when you do, God speaks. And when He's speaking, He gives the power to accomplish whatever it is He has spoken. When you read it, your faith builds. And then when He says, you need to step out in faith and give so-and-so this money or give this away. Or go do this or go speak to this person. That's not written in here. But that's what the Holy Spirit said to you because you read a verse in the Bible. See, that's what I'm talking about. Allowing you to hear what God is trying to lead you in to do. He wants to order the steps of a righteous man or woman of God. You're not righteous in your works and your deeds. You're righteous by the blood of Christ of Jesus, your Lord and Savior. He sees you as righteous and now he wants to take you down those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on, you know I love the 23rd Psalm. Sometimes it's there to put you near still waters and green pastures to restore your soul. But it's also going to take you where? Through the valley of shadow of death. But you don't, right, you, you hear. He's eventually going to build a table for you. It's a, it's a life psalm. It's not a funeral psalm. It's a life progress until you end up in the presence of the Lord. But I'm telling you, it's through His Word that He does this. It's the power of His Word active in you. You hear Him, then you step out in faith and accomplish it. And the Word of God is the voice of God to accomplish the will of God. And we have to be in the Word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to breaking of the bread. So they, they were devoted to God and to the body. They were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. And now they're devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. You don't need a Greek lesson, but just know this. That Greek word, Greek word there for uh, fellowship means koin, koinonia. You've probably heard that. Uh, which means to share something in common with others. That's what that means. Just share. It, it is sharing in life. Uh, Yesterday, somebody in our fellowship called and needed the use of something that I have. It's yours. And I know this person I called and say, hey, I need that, and he'd say what? It's yours. That's sharing. That, that, that's sharing. Hey, it's it's amazing how we share things. That's, that's what quantity is. It's doing life. Together, they also broke bread or shared meals together, including the Lord's Supper. They did this fellowship. They were doing life together. Spiritual growth, the spiritual journey that God wants to take you on is not a D.Y.I. Your spiritual walk with God is not a do-it-yourself project. He designed us to be in community, see. The challenge with the North American church, man, uh, developing countries, they get this, okay. Uh... But the problem here is that we allow the culture of society, especially here in the United States, to filtrate into our, our, our thinking when it comes to the church. And we like our independence. Independence. But that, that's not biblical. When, when it comes to your walk with God and your fellowship with the body, when you're plugged in to the body, see, it, it, it's not about my independence. It's about me being a part of something greater than my, who I am. Yeah. There are things God wants to do in your life that he cannot do unless you're within fellowship of others, other believers, see. That's true. It's, when we come together, iron sharpens iron. You hear it all the time. Well, if you don't have two pieces of iron, how can they sharpen each other? We have to be together. And that's not sometimes an easy process when sharpening. See, church is not just a personal experience where you get what you need and you go home. I'm going to step on some toes. I'm not going to call out names. Okay? I'm not here to do that. Actually, no one lays, comes to mind. I just know that this is what the Holy Spirit laid in my heart. Church is a community where people do life together. We, we have to understand that. We have to quit looking for reasons not to be together. There's, just being honest with you. We have to look for the benefit of being together. Community of believers who come together to what? Worship. We encourage one another. We laugh together, we cry together, we raise our children together. That's what's great about our small groups. And, and if you're not a part of a small group, you need to be a part of a small group. Our small groups right now are flourishing, and I love it. People are breaking out of their shells, they're coming out different nights, different days of the week, even on Sunday mornings even. Wednesday nights we have them on campus and they're getting involved with a the group. There's somebody been that's been birthed that's not even concentrating on our church. Better breaking out. And these, these groups now, when you need prayer, they're going to their groups to pray. They're fellowshipping. We've, listen, we've got, we've got a Monday night small group prayer. Uh, three or four of those families on Monday nights, they go get dinner after prayer. It's great fellowship. It's, it's about coming together. You may think you don't need the fellowship, which means you don't understand what the body of Christ is all about. If you don't understand fellowship, you don't understand the body of Christ. Okay? The body of Christ... Is about coming together. First Corinthians, Paul tells us 1227, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We're all part of the body of Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, then you are part of the body, the whole body, but then God designed it. I didn't church is not my idea. Acts chapter two, God's idea. You're a part of a body. You know what's interesting is I heard this illustration a while back. If let's say my right hand decided it didn't want to be a part of the body and it just shut down. Okay, now think about that. If right now, your right hand, or if you're left-handed, your left hand decided that it didn't want to function, it just wanted to shut down, okay? What, what would we call that? What would we call that? Called the disability. If my right hand decided it's not going to function, or let me use a real illustration, my back surgery, my right leg didn't want to function, I couldn't walk. I was considered disabled. I'm not knocking that if that's you. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual body of Christ. I'm just showing. It, it, it causes you to be disabled. You're not able to function at the capacity that, that your body should function. In this case, the body of Christ should function. We would call it disability. We need all the parts to do their part, right? Think about if it's a major part of your body. What if Glenn Hood's heart decided he's not here to hear it? That's such a shame because he's going to miss a good one here we'll just change his name. Let's say there's a guy named Glenn. And let's say his heart gets mad because it's doing all the work to pump the blood. But up there on his head, the hair does nothing but wave in the wind. That's dangerous, isn't it? We know that Glenn doesn't have a lot of hair. That's the joke. But the point I'm trying to make, that would be dangerous, wouldn't it? That the body would would, would die. See, we need all the parts to be healthy and functioning. Paul tells us in verse 21, just a few verses ahead, he says, the eye cannot see, say to the hand, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't, I don't need you. And, and the head cannot say to the, to the feet, I don't need you. Why? They're all part of the body. Every believer should be in the church, a part of the church, the body of Christ. Therefore, you cannot say that you don't need other people because even if you think that you do, what if we need you? I'm a hermit. I could stay home, live life at my house, for the most part. When you can't go out, that's when it gets bad, is when you can't. But when, if I could, and I knew I could, I, I could stay in the house. But, but you know what? I need people too. I don't realize it. But you also need me. See, we need each other. The surest way to hamper what God is doing and wanting to do in this place it's become isolated and independent from one another. And that's what the, the enemy wants. The fourth thing, my final point. The fourth thing this verse points out to about the early church, what they did to participate in and maintain a move of God, is living a passionate life that prioritizes prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. This doesn't mean they devoted themselves to praying at home. That was assumed that you'd be praying at home. It's assumed that you would pray at home. If you're a follower of Christ, it's assumed. It's assumed that you should be in your word daily and praying daily. What this means is that they were committed. They were devoted to coming together regularly for times of prayer. And I know right now you say, Pastor, you're about to get on your soapbox again. I'm about to get on my soapbox again. Okay? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship and coming together, to eating, participating in the Lord's Supper together. They were devoted to come together for the purpose of prayer. We'll see in chapters to come that the church dedicated itself to times of prayer and God moved, because when we pray, God moves. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you can read and you can see people in prison and they prayed and God moved, shook the prison doors, and or an angel shows up, right? Come on. You remember the stories? I hope so. You've been in, hope you've been in a small group study stories, heard them before. Why? Because people got together and prayed. Because when we pray, God moves. Now it's not that we make God move, but when we line up with God's will, while His will is in in heaven, may it be done here on earth. When we line it up with that and we pray, and when we don't know how to pray, we pray in the Spirit, so that what is accomplished in the Spirit realm is done. When we do that, God God moves. When we pray, do you know what happens when we pray? Do you know what happens when we pray? God moves. God moves. We, we, we have to get that in, in, our, in, in our crawl, in our way of thinking. I know you say, well, this is Christianity 101. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I remember, I think it was 2014, 2015, when, when I took our first trip with, with, uh, with our missions team to, to Sakuha, Ecuador, with work with Joel Marbet. And, and, and I took this book. I was just looking for a book. I'd never heard of this book. I don't remember ever reading it or hearing it. I went down to, the, to, the, to, to get some luggage because you always take old luggage and leave it. You bring your tools and old luggage. You leave your tools and your old luggage. You bring back your wife's good luggage. Okay? So I went down there to the place that was Habitat for Humanity there on Harrison Avenue, I think it was anyways. And there was, I said, I just want a book. They had all these books. And there was this book called, uh, I think it's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Sabala. He's the pastor of uh, the Tabernacle uh, in New York City. Yeah, Brooklyn Tab, that's it. And I read it, and while I was on this trip, God just kept ministering to my heart, and he kept telling me, pray, Tony. We've got to pray. Your church has to pray. We weren't running very many at that time. We were under 100 people, I think, at the time. I, I don't remember. Numbers doesn't matter. But I just remember that this is a demarcation in my spiritual walk with God as your pastor. And he says, go back and pray, and go back and start prayer. So I came back on that first Sunday, and those who were here remember, and I told you, God told me if I preached for 10 minutes and opened the altars, you'd come down and pray. So I put the pressure on you if I hit it in 10 minutes. I hit it in 10 minutes, and all the church came down. And we prayed for 15, 20, 30 minutes around the altar. And the next day, we launched Monday night prayer. And God started moving in our church. We started growing. People getting saved. People who had been hurt were coming back. Became a place for the sick, the wounded, the hurting. Remember, I said, I want to, I wanna I want to be the hospital for the spiritual hurting. I wanted to be, I even use the word dumpster. Let those that people are throwing out, we want them. And let's love them. And God started doing miracles in people's lives. we prayed. We started off, we had about we we were averaging about twenty-five on Monday night, which was right around twenty percent of the church. And it may not have been twenty-five, but I just remember we were running twenty percent. And God was moving mightily. Why? Because when you pray, God moves. See, I I believe, hear me, okay? I believe God wants me to share this. I believe the reason why we're not seeing God move in our church here at Bear Creek is because we're not praying anymore. For my guests, I know you say, boy, he's he's rough on y'all. No, I'm not. I'm not as rough as I want to be. I'm joking. I love you. We're not seeing God move. The numbers are great. I'm ready to see people saved. And then I'm ready to see them the same day get baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, I I, want to see marriages mended. I want to see the miracles. I want to see healings. But it's not going to happen if we don't pray. And I don't just mean pray at home, come together for the purpose of praying together. For our church. We still have Monday night prayer. We had six people show up this past Monday night. Now listen. I'm not heaping condemnation on anybody. So don't leave here feeling condemned. Because you work out your salvation with fear and trembling every day just like I do. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's different. You've got to decide the difference. You're not going to hell if you don't come on Monday nights and pray. But you're getting close to it. No, and that's not true. That was not God. That was flesh. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Please bless all the, the pygmies there in New Guinea, okay? Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> no, you're not. if you don't come home in that prayer, you're not going to hell. But you also may not be seeing God move in your life. Well, Pastor, can't I come and just pray at my home? Well, we have online prayer, but even that's not the same if you can come in person. We do that more for those who live in town. Be truthful with you. But anyone can be a part of it. And on Monday nights, we had six here. We had eight there online. And I'm thankful for that. So for those who show up, thank you. My question is, is where I started this message with, do you want to see revival in your life? Take a deep breath. I'm okay. You want to lay hands on somebody they've healed? You've been healed. God miraculously healed you. There's medical records that show where God healed you. You went that same week. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Right? You want to see your school friends saved? Those on the football team, the soccer team, or whatever you do? Mm-hmm. You could be the one who leads them. You could start a revival in your school. See? But why aren't we? Come on. I'm now getting down here in your world. It's been a long time since I've been able to walk. Well, I've been able to walk but not jump down. I know. My wife's going to get me later. She knows if I hurt myself again, she's got to take care of me again. She didn't like that. <laughs> Compassion's not her thing. <laughs> She'll tell you. All right, I got to reel it back in because I do have to land this plane. My question, my, my, my question for you as an individual is why do you keep struggling with the same things you always struggle with when you don't have to struggle with them? Why isn't God moving in your life the way He wants or the way you want Him to move? Jerome, God's going to use you in ways He already has that you have never fathomed Him to use you in because you are such a willing vessel. I believe that. I'm speaking that over you, Jerome. I'm so thankful for what God's done in your life. Tell them you'll be a few more minutes. My clock says I still got ten minutes, nine minutes. I'm closing. I'm closing. Why don't you have the joy? Why don't you have the peace? Why do we live from crisis to crisis instead of from victory to victory? Why aren't we seeing our altars filled? Why aren't people here on Monday nights praying for those so that I hate to see an empty altar? I mean, if we're not going to use them, then let's get rid of them. I know that sounds harsh, but that's just my heart. Because you know what it tells me? They're nothing but furniture. I believe you can take content. I believe you can take the truth. We're not praying, because we're not praying together. We're not seeing God move. I'm for the shout, but I want to see the power. We got to come together to pray. I'm going to use the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) My wife cut her eyes at me. I believe that. God wants to move. I know what God has shown me. I have a folder of what God has shown some of the folks who are no longer with us, that God showed them through prophecy and tongues and interpretations that God wants to do in this church. I know the dream, and for my mama to say she dreamt something like this, I know it's from God, where she saw that people were waiting down the road in line to get in this church because God was moving in people's lives and touching lives. That's my mama. She's not the most spiritual lady. She saved. Well, someday she's got Alzheimer's. You know how that is for Alzheimer's patients, you know? Yeah. And I'm frustrated, church. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. This is not a threat. I'm frustrated. Can I just be honest with you? I'm frustrated. This is great. This is awesome. What we see it and what we have going on. We're debt free. We have facilities to do all the kind of ministry we want. Not only here on campus, but we, I mean, we've got so many retired people in our church. You guys could be going into the school or every, anywhere you want to and just ministering to people. I mean, we've got it made right now. Our income is great. Income is great. We had a record-giving year last year. Praise God. But I want to see revival. And if it means us not having income, so we've got to be on our knees to pray for God to provide, then let it happen. So let it be. I don't want to become so comfortable, complacent, that I forget why I'm still here and you're still here. We're part of a body of Christ, we're part of something larger than ourselves. We're part of the the lifesaver organization, organism that God put in place so that the world could be reached for his kingdom. They devoted themselves. Let's close. You ready to land the plane? I'm not circling anymore. The balloon's been shot down. (laughs) As somebody said, now it's time to shoot TikTok down, okay? They were devoted. They were passionate about coming together to learn doctrine, to learn the truth. They come together for the fellowship, for the breaking of bread, and for prayer. What was the result? We've only touched 42. Well, I'm not preaching the next few. I'm just going to Put them up here and let you see what happened. Because remember, the mo- the plan, the, the formula, the model is Acts chapter 2, the first couple of verses. They came together. They prayed together. They waited up on the Lord. The Holy Spirit came and powered them. They went out and they preached the gospel. They preached Jesus Christ. With that it touched the people's heart. What do we do? What do we do? Get saved. Be baptized. Then the church is birthed. Now we got these churches. Now some of those went throughout the known world at the time because they came for the festival. And that's how when Paul when Paul, I believe, would go to these other uh, towns and to set up uh, 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 churches, plant churches. He'd find he'd find believers because those were people that probably came for this, and and, the, and they were saved through Paul or through Peter's message. But they got together and they committed. They said, you know what? This is a great move of God. I like it. I like it when I see people get healed. Oh, I like the feeling when I got saved. I want everybody to feel the freedom that I feel. I I want to see these things. I want to see. I want to see fulfill what's been prophesied. Uh, I want to see these things. You hear what they're saying here. It's like, what do we do? Well, they came together and they learned the doctrine. They fellowship together. They broke bread. They did life together. They prayed together. And look what happens. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is a summary paragraph, but it's more than that. It's telling you it's transitioning from chapter 2, the outpouring, the birth of the church, to now Peter, uh, Peter and John at the gate, beautiful. It's a, it's, but it's more than just a transitional statement. It's a, it's a doctrinal foundation of what happened. They were filled with awe. Why? Because they saw all these wonders, these signs that were performed by the apostles. They were awed by God. I'm ready to be awed by God. I'm, we need to, every time the Spirit moves here or in your life or wherever, we need to stand in awe of the power, the majesty, the worthiness, the holiness of God. They were awed by what was happening. They shared, listen what it said in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Because they were in relationships doing life together, this was a natural thing that took place, like I talked about earlier. It was something that just, there's no selfishness. They looked after one another. Hey, I didn't see you today. Are you okay? Hey, I heard it's kind of tight around your house. I've got these vegetables or I have this can of I don't know why I bought and I'm giving it to you, you know? That was a joke. (laughs) All right, you're not with me anymore. I know you're, maybe I'm wrong about your derriere and your, anyways, we won't go there. (laughs) I want to be that church. They were that church. Oh, you're that church. I'm going to say, I'm going to speak it again. You're that church that bought that needy, needy family a car. You're that church that helped build that person that their house burnt down or, or they're still stormed and You're that church. You're that church that helped them rebuild their home. Oh, you're that church that's in Waller Elementary School. You got man, you've got so many people are in this school that's just helping out in classes and just blessing this school with with painting or yard work or whatever. I want to be that church. That's what they were. They were that church looking after each other and investing in their community. Verse forty six. Every day they continued to meet together. Every day, every day they came together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They continued to do life. It wasn't just a fad. We're going to continue to do life. And they genuinely loved one another. Sincere hearts. I'm not doing this because you asked me. I'm doing this because I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to do life with you. Thank you. I was waiting for that. I'll amen myself. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Verse 47a. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. God's favor was on them. Because God's favor was on them, the favor of God poured out on those around them, even the unbelievers. And they saw what they were doing. And they said, man, I want to be a part of that. They found favor in the eyes of man. 247b. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily people were being saved. The revival continued. You know there's more unsaved people today percentage-wise in the world than there was back then. Because our population has grown. And we're, post, we're, actually we're post-Christ, we're post-Christian. We're, we're in a society today that uh, fewer today are truly living for God than, than, they, than what statistics show. It is. We're a label society. You have a label. got to have a label. So, hey, I believe there's a God. I surely don't want to go sacrifice lambs. You know, OK, I'll be Christian. I'm ready to see people saved. I'm ready to see that happening around here. I'm ready to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Either, either it's real or it's not. If it's real, then you should want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You should. And if you are, then daily you need to be re-baptized in the Holy Spirit. A daily time with God where he, he just fills you with his power, his presence again, so that you can go out and give it out. You're like a sponge. Soak it up, give it out. Soak it up, give it out. Soak it up, give it out. I want to see you lay hands on people. I don't want you to bring people to church to be prayed for. I want you to bring people to church that you prayed for and they've been healed their marriages have been restored their children have have stopped being rebellious i love you and there's no but coming behind it i love you this is what i believe god wants to do with you i do and you can isolate yourself say i don't i don't want that jesus didn't save you to be saved He saved you to be dangerous. He didn't save you to occupy this place until he came back. He saved you to take on the gates of hell. And he's given you everything you need. You just got to take it and apply it and live it. Father, thank you so much for inhabiting our praise today. God, you're everywhere all the time. Omnipresent. But Lord, there's just something when your people come together And we don't focus on us. We focus on you, that you show up in might and power. Your Holy Spirit just saturates us, God, with your presence. And, Lord, it's so refreshing it's so encouraging. And, yes, God, even sometimes it's convicting. And I do. I pray that every one of us, including myself, Lord, you know that I have been convicted all week. I want us all today to leave here with some conviction on our lives, not just a feel-good message. I want us all, Lord, as we leave here, for the Holy Spirit to lead us in a self-evaluation, a self-test to see where we really are. I'm not talking about whether we're saved or not, but where we are and what our purpose is and our true desire to grow closer to you and then to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit to to be world changers. There's a world that's hurting that needs to hear the gospel. And I pray that you help us all. God, the reality is I know there's people in here today that are hurting. And I pray for them in the name of Jesus. There's some in here that are fighting emotional scars, past. They're dealing with sin now in their lives. They're dealing with disappointment, frustration. And Lord, one thing I learned in your word is when we built an altar and we lay the sacrifice of our time and our worship, we focus on you, you always leave a blessing for your people. And so, Lord, right now I pray. I'm right now with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, what you just said, that's me. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. There's some things that I need God to work in my life. If that's you right now. Will you raise your hand this morning? Thank you for that honesty. Thank you. You can put them right back down. You're good. You're good. You're good. Father, you saw the hands. You see the pain. The frustration. Lord, I'm reminded of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He just wanted to wash feet. Peter said, no. And then Jesus talked him into it. And Peter said, then wash all of me. And he says, you don't need a complete washing. It's just your feet. You've been in the world. And Lord, we walk in this world. We live in this world. We pick up trash. We pick up dirt. Our feet, God, get filthy. I pray for each and every one that raised their hand, Lord, right now. Holy Spirit, come in. Wash their feet. Bring healing. Cleanse them. Lord, bring peace. Bring peace. I speak peace right now. Bring peace, God, right now, Lord. Bring peace into their minds in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed and eye closed, please keep your heads eyes closed, your head bowed. Hear me. Spirit is, is ministering right now. And I'd, I'm not trying to belabor this. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to get an altar call for the, to say, look what I've done. I promise you. I just know you can leave here different than what you walked in here today. I believe that. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Right now, everybody's heads bowed and their eyes are closed. If that's you right now, And you say, Pastor, I want to receive Christ as my Savior today and my Lord. I want to commit my life. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to look at me until I acknowledge you. I won't call your name. Just look at me so I know who I'm praying for today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Remember, I don't know who I'm praying for. If I don't, I make eye contact. I'm not going to call your name. Thank you. Anybody else? Quickly, quickly. Thank you for your patience, church. Thank you for God is moving. He's healing. He's calling. He's drawing. He's doing what man cannot do. Only the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Quickly, anybody else? I've had three. I've had three. Not that I'm counting, but I guess I am. But you know what I'm talking about. I've had three. Come on. Anybody else? Now, I'm going to speak directly to those who raised your hand. This is for you. And anybody who says, I'm not raising my eyes, listen to me. Jesus loves you. And that's why He died on the cross for you. Salvation is simply this. It was hard for Him, but He made it easy for you. All you have to do right now is have a conversation with God and let Him know, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned. You don't have to list your sins. You don't have to tell Him everything. He knows it. He just wants you to acknowledge that you know it. And that you know you've lived your life outside of His will. Just confess Him. And then ask Him to forgive you. The blood's already been shed. He doesn't have to die on the cross again. It's done. You just have to receive that forgiveness. And Jesus will come into your life. Invite Him in. But He doesn't just want to be your Savior. Hear me, this is so important. He has to be your Lord. And that means when you leave here, the Holy Spirit is now living in you and he, you have to submit and go where He leads and do as He leads you to do. Does that mean you've got to give up everything in your life? No. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling daily, but I guarantee you, if you're sincere in your heart, then He's going to take you down paths. Some of them are going to be hard, but at the end, it's going to be wonderful. I'm so thankful that Jesus is not just my Savior, but He is my Lord. I'm okay with being a pawn in His hand. I'm okay with Him moving me where He wants, because I'd rather be in His will than doing my will. And that's what He wants to do with you today. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, He wants to start moving you and turning your life around for your good, but for His glory. He'll work with you. And the last thing you have to do after you pray that and ask Him to come into your life, I think this is important. You need to get with somebody who's a strong believer. I would love for that to be me, but you need to get somebody because it says believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. That's the action of faith when you tell somebody, I received Christ today as my Lord and Savior. And that person can begin praying for you If you want to come up and talk with me, please do. I want to put you on the path that's going to help what God is doing in your life today to grow. I'm tired of the seed being cast on the wayside. I'm tired of the seed being cast and the birds eating it. I'm tired of the thistles and the thorns or the past or the activities life strangling out what God is wanting to do. I want to help you that this seed to be planted in a good ground that produces good fruit that remains in your life. We're committed to discipleship. But you've got to be committed as well. So if that's you today and you've confessed your sins and you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then you just confess it and, the, and, and it's done. And now you're going to start walking. You're going to start going where Jesus leads you. His Holy Spirit leads you. Father, thank you for those three to four. And anyone that maybe didn't look at me, God, that just that followed those instructions, Lord, let it be real in their hearts today. Let it not, Lord, I don't want to be off emotion, Lord. I want it to be because your Spirit has drawn them today, God, and help them, Lord. They're, they're now on the straight and narrow. God, help us, help this church, God, to foster that, Lord. Come alongside and disciple these people in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we go in the might and power of your Holy Spirit, so bless us, God. Lord, bless this church. May we this week your favor be upon us, God, just pouring off of us. Lord, blessing those around us, God, so that we can be lights in a dark world God, that we can be salt, God, in a deteriorating world. And Lord, I'm believing when we come back together. As a, as a scripture, as a psalm, we're going to come back weeping, not tears of sadness, but joy, because we're bringing the harvest back with us. Make it so, Father, in our lives, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you accepted Christ today, please find somebody that you know that's a strong believer that you can confess it to. And please... I'm right here if you want to talk to me about it. God bless. Love you, church. Greet our guests today. All of our guests, thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.